Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Want to remind you, you can lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is the voice of the BYU Cougars. He's Greg Rubel with us here on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Hi, Greg. Thanks for a few minutes. Oh, my pleasure. Jake, PK. So, Greg, let's uh, talk a little bit about your impressions from camp, and we can kind of talk broadly and get a little bit more specific. But uh, what are you uh, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are going to be some strengths? What are some major storylines from camp in your mind? Well, I feel that Jeff Grimes believes he's got a pretty solid number one offensive line. Uh, I, I think uh, there are just enough uh, returning weapons at receiver between Shumway and Simon and Hefo and Milne and Romney to feel that somebody will emerge from that group. I know that Coach Grimes uh, spoke on Saturday about uh, Keanu Hill, a freshman wide receiver. Um, it could be a, a, a playmaker to be. Uh, tight end is always going to be solid with Matt Bushman. And I know that Zach Wilson is uh, – has uh, impressed uh, the staff and uh, how well he's come back for, for, from the surgery. And, and there's a good backup in, in Jaron Hall. Uh, you add in these 50-year running backs, and you got your leading touch guy back from last year in Lopini Katoa, and the pieces are there. Uh, it, it's essentially a veteran offense back from last year. Now, there were steps to take. BYU needs to score more and, and, and probably, uh, for their own uh, wishes, throw more or, or throw more productively. But uh, the ingredients are there, at least on offense. A kicking game appears to uh, be more or less solid with uh, Old Roy having come back off his mission with a nice pop in his leg and Skylar Southam's in his second year. So on that side of the ball, I think pretty good. Uh, defense maybe has more questions to answer only in part because uh, Elisa Tuiaki, at least on Saturday, said he was keeping a lot of, uh, uh, you know, primary defenders out just in the uh, objective to, you know, get them to the fight in his words, which is make sure you have enough healthy bodies uh, for game one against Utah thing that I thought that was most interesting and talked about it this morning was the fact that Kalani Sataki was talking up Tyson Williams. And yeah. it's nice to have depth, but I, I think that people who tout depth, they tout it because there's not some studs there. And I'd much rather have the studs and guys I can carry on, I count on workhorses. And so with that in mind... He gave me some form of excitement on Williams. I don't want to go too crazy, but is he going to be capable of getting these guys 800 yards on the ground and maybe even more? Well, I, I don't want to look past Lopini Katoa quite yet because, uh, again, he was the leading touch getter last year, was very productive when he got the ball, had a great touchdown per touch average, and uh, is it, it, just, I think, part of a really good top trio right now. And they all look a little bit different, you know, uh, it, between Lopini, Tyson, we're talking about, and then Emmanuel Asupa. If, if one were to emerge as, as the workhorse guy that's, uh, that's good for, you know, 90 to 120 yards a week, well, that's great. But uh, I think with those three guys, if all were to be healthy, they'd be much better off than they were in, uh, in late November of last year when they were converting, you know, linebackers to running back to get to and through the Utah game. So I, I think in this case, depth is, is more than just a, a, a buzzword. I think it's legit relative to, to, to running back. And, again, as long as they stay healthy, those three guys, I think, can grind out a lot of yards for you. Greg, what is fair to expect from a record standpoint in those first four tough games? Oh, it's, it, it's, it, it's something I've been uh, unable to get a real good feel for uh, because so much rides on, on game one. I, I think – um, you know, the importance of the Tennessee game is very much dependent on what just happened uh, nine days prior. And, and not, not that everything's riding on Utah for BYU, but a lot more is riding on for BYU than for Utah. 
Um, if Utah, you know, weren't to come out victorious on 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 game one, well, you know, okay, they're eight and one in the last nine, right? They're not, they're not you know, they're not nine and zero. Oh, they're eight and one. Well, that's that's tremendous. Then they have a couple of out of conference games to to get well and get ready before you you start your run to the Rose Bowl. So Utah can reset pretty quickly and and pretty comfortably, uh, regardless of the outcome in in uh, in Provo on the 29th. You know, for BYU. You know, if uh, if things go their way, well, great. They can go into Tennessee with, with confidence, and and not that not not that the game doesn't matter as much anymore. But uh, you've already done something pretty impressive, and then you have reason to believe you can you can do it two weeks in a row. If things don't go your way on the 29th, well, now there's a whole kind of different pressure in going into SEC country and trying to avoid coming home 0 and 2, and and seeing where this thing might go from there. So you never like to think too far ahead, but uh, I really do believe that. You know, much of uh, of what a first four game record is going to look like just rides really heavily on 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 the 29th, and and we'll we'll be able to judge a lot more um, after that day. That's interesting to me that you say that because I think that they can draw a lot of momentum in playing well, but still coming up short. And there's no such thing as a moral victory because it's not going to help you win the next one. And but I, I do believe playing well or maybe the flip side of it is if you get what's just blasted at home it's going to like just a huge dark cloud but if it's a competitive game and a team makes a play you know somebody's got to win somebody's got to lose yeah I but, but they're it, all but they're always competitive games i mean I, BYU's been on the short end of too many of those where they play well enough to have a shot but don't finish it off okay, they've but, only been you know, out of two of the last eight games that they have lost, uh, and, and the Las Vegas Bowl, I consider to be one of those two. When you're down 35 nothing, it's great that you came back to get within seven, but you really didn't have a reasonable expectation to win that game the way you start, and then 54-10, you know, speaks for itself. But the other games, they're the kind of games you talk about. You know, yeah, you got a shot, yeah, you play well, you play well enough to be there, but they don't get it done. So, I, I, I think it's not about. I, I don't think you can take that ninth straight loss and, and feel. Uh, like you've got any kind of momentum going into Knoxville, uh, I, I really think you've just got to you got to find a way uh, to get it done. If, if if not, you're resetting the clock. And and what I would compare it to more is last year, PK, when you know BYU follows a pretty good opener with kind of a dud against Cal, and then they responded from that by going to Madison and winning. So that's maybe a little more what they would have to do is is, is show a true bounce back ability because they didn't look good against Cal didn't play well enough to win, and then next week did something really improbable. I think, I think you'd be looking at a similar type scenario. Yeah, I think that the goal is to get eight wins, and whoever they get them against, I mean, I realize the people who are BYU fans want them to see to beat Utah desperately because it's been obviously one-sided for a decade, and that sucks for BYU folks. But I think if you step back, and Kalani Sataki is about getting another contract, and if he finds a way to get eight wins out of this team that's good enough for him to get an extended contract. And that's the most important thing, not simply beating Utah. It's important if you beat Utah, but at the same time, if you beat Utah, then that, as you just said, that ratchets it up expectations. And if they fall flat, it's going to be like, well, what the heck? How did you do this? And then turn around and do that. So there's all sorts of things that can go into it. Plus last year, I get your point, it's well taken, but I think last year Mangum was holding position until Wilson was ready to play, and they deemed him ready to play when they did. Now, with Wilson, they're looking to build something over the next couple years. Undoubtedly. And I think, uh, you know, with, uh, with the Utah situation coming where it is, um, you, you learn a lot about yourself uh, immediately. And if you're good enough to beat Utah, 
well, then you are good enough uh, to beat most, if not every other team on your sure. schedule, right? right? I mean, yeah, I by most metrics, you yeah. could argue that, that Utah is the toughest team BYU is going to see. Right now. Uh, and that, yeah. and that's, that's in you know early August, right. not early November we're right. saying that. Right. But right. If, if you can beat Utah, you can feel pretty good about every other team on your schedule being able to compete with that team. And, uh, again, that's not looking past Tennessee, USC, Washington, or anybody else, but it's a really solid litmus right from the get-go. And so – um, you know, it, it's a Pac-12 favorite. Right? I think they're they're picked to win the league yep, and get yep, to the Rose Bowl. Yep. And if you can do that in Week One, you have every reason to have some kind of optimism that that it could be a, a good, if not a great, season. Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougs, with us, ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The Zone. Greg uh, PK brought this up a little bit, but how big of a deal is it that uh, BYU has yet to extend Coach Sataki? Uh, I don't know that we have um, a great field of comparison uh, because BYU I, and, and PK can correct me. You guys, I, I don't I haven't done a ton of research into this, but you know since Lavelle, you know, um, anecdotally worked on all those one-year deals, um, BYU hasn't historically had a coach get into a lame duck season, right? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, you can say Croton was a lame duck because everybody knew he was going to get fired, but I don't know that, how that played but out. I, I, but, I think, but I think he was let go with some time left on his deal, was yeah, he not? Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. contractually, yeah, so, I agree so, with you. Yeah, so I, I think this, you know, this, this becomes the season to, to test whatever notion we're exploring here. Um, he comes into the year uh, with a winning record. I think if Kalani were to uh, leave the year with an overall winning record, he'll have done well. And whether it's eight wins like P.K., um, uh, surmised a moment ago, or just getting to the postseason and, and winning a bowl game, which is a six or a seven win year. Uh, it's a tough enough slate to where if you're playing in a bowl game, I think you've, you've been a pretty good team and you've done fairly well. Um, so let's see how this thing plays out. But I think if Kalani can 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 finish year four like he finished year three, that is with a winning overall record, um, it, it, it should you know he's he should be in good stead. But that's again from coming from a guy personally who just likes the guy so much and, yeah, and thinks he's such a good fit for BYU that I hope he has the success that keeps him here for a while. Yeah, we all do. I agree with that. Greg Rubel with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Greg, I want to switch gears to basketball for a minute, and I want to ask you about uh, what what you thought about Yoli Childs and his nine-game suspension. But uh, former Cougar uh, assistant coach and a good friend of ours, Tim Lacombe, had this tweet. Uh, over the weekend, and I just am curious to get your reaction to this as well. Tim said, uh, we have NCAA universities openly paying players, giving fake degrees, involved in federal fraud cases, and no action, yet a kid makes an honest, genuine mistake, and they get unloaded on. NCAA is a sham. I think those are really strong words, especially from a, from an assistant, a former assistant coach. Yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of let Timmy's uh, comments, you know, stay, um, you know, where they were and, and from the person they came from and then kind of let that um, uh, just kind of be there. I, I, I don't know that I could add much more to, to Timmy's uh, thoughts on it. You know, he's got a pretty good perspective on on things. And, and if he if he believes that, then then that's, you know, certainly um, you know, his perspective. And I, I'll just kind of leave it there. I, I do think that um, you know, ultimately, you always feel that that that, that forthrightness and contrition and um, common sense will kind of all prevail in some kind of favorable decision in this kind of case, and and it appeared to go kind of unfavorably for BYU uh, to the point where, uh, officially, from a school standpoint, they they, they used the word disappointed that it turned out the way it did. I'm sure they expected something uh, different than than what ultimately transpired. What kind of music you listening to these days? Oh, you know me, PK. I'm really all over the place, um, and you know, I, I, it's just it, it can be anything on any given day for me. I mean, uh, 
Was there a little bit of, uh, of Van Halen uh, over the weekend? Well, yes, yes, there was. Um, and, and was there a little bit of uh, uh, music from a, a British independent band called Bombay Bicycle Club? Well, yes, yeah, yes, there was. Um, it, it's, it's, it's north and south and east and west, PK. I'm all over the map. So I've kind of converted to country now, man. I'm, I'm way more into that. Nothing wrong with the country. In fact, uh, you know, uh, when my, my wife and I were first dating, she was big into it. And, and I've seen more George Strait shows than uh, oh. uh, I can count on one hand, I think. And, uh, you know, many different artists over the years as well. But I really do love it all. I mean, I'm not here for a good time, Greg. What am I here for? I mean, I'm not here for a long time. What am I here for? We're here for a good time, yeah. not a long time. Right. There you go. I love that tune. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing for me before we let you go, Greg, who has the more talented play-by-play guy, BYU or Utah State? <laughs> uh, BYU's got the oldest of the two. How's that? All right. All right. Fair yeah. enough. That, that I know for sure. At least I think. Wow. It might maybe. I don't know. How old is Scotty? Uh, uh, what, like 41, 42. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, what I'm the way older. Yeah. Happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you get away with saying what the hell just happened on a BYU broadcast? <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd want to try and find out what the outcome would be. Why? Um, yeah, no, I'm way older than Scotty. So let's just say BYU has the oldest guy. Let's do it that way. Fair enough. Uh, Greg, yeah. it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for a few minutes. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, PK, kudos to you. Sounds like it was a double duty day for you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun, though. It's not exactly heavy lifting. Morning till night, doing it right. There you go. Thanks, Greg. Greg Rubel, uh, voice of the BYU Cougars. Always fun to catch up with Greg. I know he comes on with you guys in the morning uh, quite a bit as well. What would you say to that? Who has the more talented play-by-play guy, Utah State or BYU? The problem there is that I don't listen to much of either. I know you're at the game. When I go to a game, or I'm at home for that matter, Instead of the game in front of me, I have the TV, and then I have one, maybe two other uh, viewing options in my lap or in my hand. Same thing when I'm at a game, watching the game, there's a television, and then I got the computer because there's a whole bunch of games, particularly with the three teams we have here in the state. So, uh, you know, you got to be up to date on all of them. There's three things that you really, really have to hone in on BYU, Utah, and Utah State football. And then, of course, the jazz. I mean, you've, in order to survive, you've got to really know your stuff. You also have to know a little college basketball, too. But I think that's a little bit of a backseat at that time to the jazz. What do you think about uh, Tim Lacombe's tweet, his thoughts on the I thought early, it was right on. I mean, I, I, I just think that nine games is a success. If you want to penalize them, make them run around the block and, and take, take the Maui thing away. I mean, I've been to Maui, I've covered the Maui's four times between covering BYU and Utah. Majerus used to love to go out there, and that was always a great perk. Uh, and uh, you know, all sorts of fun, as you can imagine. Um, and nine games? The problem is BYU, with Gonzaga being who they are, BYU has to schedule tough because the West Coast Conference sucks. And, although it's gotten better, but schedule-wise, it really puts a dent into your... It does. You don't play enough good teams. Right. So you need to schedule tough. And then with Gonzaga being as dominant, they tend to win the conference. They didn't last year. They won the regular season, and St. Mary's got them in the, in the final, which was a shocker. I was at that game. I couldn't believe it. Um, so taking Yoli, their best player, out, it really limits their opportunity to get an at-large bid. And I think a lot of times you got to look at intent. What was the intent? Right. Was the intent to gain some type of advantage to screw the NCAA to, to just to 
back door or something. And just and, and Jay Billis, I was talking to Ben Bagley today, and he does the BYU sports thing, and he, Jay Billis was on, and he's been outspoken. He's been recognized as kind of this generation's Dick Vitale without the over-the-topness. Uh, and he's saying it's too much. In fact, they did a thing on uh, the NCAA wants to want you to have a degree, and then LeBron and his guy. The rich ball rule, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. then they rescinded it. We can get into that if you want. And yeah. they rescinded it, and so then uh, Jay Bull said, good, you should have rescinded it. Now rescind the nine games for Yoli. So this is three days later, and he's still talking about it. It just seems like, do we have to penalize guys so much for coming back to school and actually going to class? And I mean, there's so much shenanigans going on in college basketball. That, that you know these these people say they should they, we should pay college athletes you know, a lot of them are getting paid as it is and they're just not it's not being above board and here's something that he paid it back with interest and this seems seems excessively harsh well and they're new rules I mean you're navigating new rules mistakes uh, mistakes are going to and, be made I, if Dave Rose and his staff were there and it stayed there that'd be one thing but it was a new staff. And conditions and th- situations changed mm-hmm. from the time the season ended to the time that Yoli made his initial decision and then changed his mind, and yet they're still slapping him with nine games. It just can't. wouldn't it? Wouldn't three games be enough? The Maui tournament isn't that enough? I, I actually had not thought about that. I think yeah, absolutely. That should be that should be plenty. Yeah, to to miss nine games, and, and you're totally right with the way BYU has to schedule and and trying to get to the NCAA tournament. Those first nine games, they're going to really count. I mean, the only gimme on their schedule might be Utah this year. That's true. It might be the only gimme. <laughs> All right, that's PK. He is in for Gordon today on the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the Zone.